And now for our third segment, we turn to a story that has both shocked and divided New Yorkers. On Friday, Daniel Penny was indicted in Manhattan on second-degree manslaughter charges in the death of Jordan Neely. The indictment followed more than a week of fierce protests that erupted after a video was released showing Penny, a 24-year-old ex-Marine, placing Neely, a homeless man who uh, earlier in his life was a very prominent Michael Jackson impersonator here in New York, in a chokehold for 15 minutes while they were riding on the F train in Lower Manhattan on May 1st. After Penny killed Neely, Several local media outlets relying on anonymous law enforcement sources reported that Neely had thrown trash at subway passengers, aggressively threatened them, and got into an argument with Penny before Penny tackled him to the ground. However, as more eyewitness accounts emerged, it became clear that Neely had not attacked anyone, and it was Penny who had attacked him. On Saturday, May 6th, protesters took over the subway tracks at the F train station at Lexington and 63rd Street on the Upper East Side, bringing trains to a complete standstill. A coalition called the May Days 2023 that includes members of Black Women's March, Warriors in the Garden, and For Our Liberation organized the May 6th subway track uh, takeover. Earlier today, my colleague Amba Gagarian spoke with Kimberly Bernard of Black Women's March, who was arrested at the May 6th action. Bernard has been organizing Black Lives Matter protests since 2020. Amba began by asking her why she and other protesters took this dramatic step to press their demands for justice for Jordan Neely. We knew it was going to be high risk and we knew that we wanted to make a huge statement because we thought that something that this big and this violent and this um, and the fact that there seemed to be no justice in sight for Jordan Neely. We knew that we wanted it to be big, but also we we, we knew we wanted to make a lot of noise, um, but we also knew that we wanted to not George, that the bigger conversation was being addressed around um houselessness you know not enough having resources for um for for persons suffering with mental health conditions the fact that jordan newly existed at the intersection of all these different things um and we wanted to just you know also point out that we have a mayor that is kind of like you know pumping a lot of money into the nypd and taking away resources when we already don't have enough anyways. Um, and we think that those are the conditions that led to Jordan Neely um, living the life he lived and um, dying the way he did on the subway um, by a vig- racist vigilante. And um, yeah, so we wanted to make a lot of noise. We didn't want to do the typical protest where we just marched and said our goodbyes and dispersed, you know, at the end of the march. We needed to make a lot of noise. And I think we were successful in doing that. It was picked up by a lot. The city was like, okay, this is a situation that's not going away. Jordan Neely's name was kept alive. And it came at a very high price, but it was worth it. And there's also still a lot of work to be done. And tell us a little bit about um, what the protests and vigils, right? A lot of them were sort of initially um, put forth as vigils that, uh, you know, were uh, pretty heavily policed. So tell yeah. us what those were like um, on the ground, you know, how people were responding to the act itself, the, the killing itself, and then how yeah. the police uh, responded to the protest. 
We've only so far organized two actions. And the first action was a train track protest, which is not original, by the way. We are the second person in history to ever do it. The first time it was done was in the 80s um, by another group who were um, protesting a lynching of a black man. Um, and so we saw that and we were like, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe let's, you know, try this. Um, um, so there is historical connection. It wasn't random at all. Um, and so, so we did that and then we, there were a lot of arrests. The, the police are obviously very violent and very brutal, which we expected. Um, SRG. Yeah. Um, and that the, you know, we, we came back, we decided we wanted to do a vigil after. Um, something a little more calm, something just to honor Jordan. Um, and we did it at the station. By the time we got there, it was very clear that that was not going to happen. It was not going to be, uh, just a calm, respectful, you know, vigil. We, the and first thing at the station, yeah. the Broadway Lafayette station where, where Neely was killed. Absolutely. The Broadway Lafayette station where Jordan was killed. Um, there. Yes. That's where we did the vigil outside the station. Um, the media was out. It will affect so we re- because of the train track protest, there was just a lot of traction and we wanted to talk to the people. We also wanted to talk to the media. We wanted to explain to them all the things that we were also going as organizers because we anticipated violence from the police, but this is the first time we did not, it's not the first time, but we really did not anticipate the blowback that we received. Um, and so the media was there and I really think the police did not want us talking to the media. I also think they just didn't want this vigil to go through and they, from the very beginning, made it very clear that they wanted to um, crack down on this vigil. Um, it's, we first started talking on the microphone. They came in. They said, if you talk on the microphone, we're going to arrest you. Um, we tried the megaphone. They said, if you talk on the megaphone, we're going to arrest you. They said, okay, we, we put the megaphone down because I, I said, guys, listen, you know what? I don't need a, a, a microphone. I can speak to you guys with my voice. If you can hear me, we can keep going. They came in. They said, you know what? You're too close to the entrance of the subway. Um, you're going to have to move. We stepped aside. We gave them space. They kept agitating, kept agitating. And then it became very clear that it didn't matter what we did. They wanted to disrupt this vigil. Um, and, you know, as you, as a lot of people know, that vigil turned out to be very violent and even bloody. Um, even there was a, a freelance journalist who is um, works with the New York Times who was arrested that day as well. Um, there was, uh, a, a protester who, you know, was bloodied, um, cause his face was like busted open. They, they, so the very first arrest was my comrade, um, who is also a member of Maydays, who decided that he was going to use his microphone and he did. And once he used the microphone, they came in, um, to kind of just grabbed him and very violently, um, arrested him. Um, they arrested a couple of other people and I think it was somewhere maybe after they had already arrested maybe three, four or five persons, they started playing the LRAD. And as you know, the LRAD says, if you do not clear the roadways, you are going to be arrested. Um, and so on. Um, so obviously usually press doesn't clear the roadway. Press usually doesn't because press 
typically have that kind of freedom to be um, in the middle of the roadway while everyone has to kind of clear. They don't treat press like protesters because press isn't protesters. They're, you know, um, um, they're there to document. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was really shocking. I've never seen that one before. I don't think if in, in my three years of being an activist, I don't think I've ever seen a member of the press be arrested um so that happened um um and we tried to regain control of the crowd it was very hard emotions were high people were i was like bawling like you know just to see my comrade be arrested so violently and also just being like tired like it was just a lot of emotions just coming out of people we tried to like kind of regroup everyone and we were like okay we're we they well they lied to us and said that persons were at the seventh precinct which they weren't and we marched to the seventh precinct but also something we didn't know that we found out while we were in jail that night there was another um protester who had been arrested in the subway downstairs and we had no clue and she had no support or no one because no one knew she had been arrested. Um, she was arrested. I don't know if you've ever seen that kind of site inside the subway with Jordan's name and flowers and candles. That's where she was. She had not gotten upstairs yet to the rest of us. So they, they arrested her before she got upstairs and she had been sitting in her cell all night with no support and no one advocating for her. And that really made me sad. Um, so we um, eventually decided to march on the sidewalk because they would not allow us to march in the street. We marched on the sidewalk to the 7th Precinct to do jail support. And while at jail support is where they kind of closed in on my comrade and I, Kiara and I. Um, I kept asking, I was like, why am I being arrested? Why am I being arrested? He was like, I t- I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. He would not give me any answers. Um and we were arrested and brought inside. We later found out that we were charged with two felony counts of terrorism um, and also two misdemeanor charges. So we had four charges levied against us. The terrorism charges were later thrown out, but it was a long day and night of being in the seventh precinct or people were trying to find us. They would lie and say we were in one precinct when we were in another. No one knew where we were. They moved us from the seventh precinct to um, central booking. We were in central. We were told we'd be out of central booking by the morning, but we ended up being there until that night, the following night. Um, And the terrorism charges weren't thrown out until about an hour before we saw the judge. So the whole time we thought we're going before a judge to fight terrorism charges. We were fully prepared to maybe go to Rikers, um, to go to Rikers Island. Were there Um, other people that have been involved in any of the protests um, from May 3rd on that have been charged with terrorism or that are facing uh, felony charges? Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there is um, someone who was arrested on the day of the tree track protest. She was released two days later, um, but she's still fighting her felony terrorism charge. They have not. It has not been thrown out. We have another protester who is um, fighting um, who's going to go. He has a felony um, and he is going to go to a grand jury. His case is going to go to a grand jury, even though he was released. But outside of that, it's been like a kind of offline battle of being followed, being tracked, being surveilled, um, having um, 
infiltrators from the NYPD, like, you know, um, being doxxed. My information, my address where I live was released to the media by the NYPD. Um, and I live here with my children. Um, or if, like um, some of um, protesters and organizers' faces were plastered across the news as being wanted for terrorism. Um, you know, when I was doxxed, even though I was doxxed after being released from jail when they doxed me the information said that i was charged with terrorism so you know it's a, it's 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 been warfare not to mention right after kiara and i were arrested that night after the vigil um there was a press conference immediately after by the nypd where they claimed that we had a molotov cocktail which we absolutely did not have um it was 100% planted by the NYPD um and so it's just it's just been this kind of like information war and this kind of you know surveillance and tracking people have had to go into hiding like that kind of thing Thank you, Kimberly. Please uh, respond now too to um, you know Daniel Penny, the murder of Neely after um, nearly two weeks after the murder and after about nine days of protest, he was finally charged with second degree manslaughter and uh, turned himself in, pleading not guilty. This is second degree manslaughter, not first degree manslaughter, which would have been bad enough. Second degree manslaughter. Right. Um, even though he actively put pressure on his neck until he felt him stop moving and kept going anyways after that. Right. That is a really, really scary thing. And it's not acceptable. Also, it's not lost on me that protesters are facing more harsh charges were arrested more violently and spent more time locked up than Daniel Penny did. That says a lot. And um, will, there be, will there be any more protests? Um, absolutely. Okay. absolutely. If you visit our May Days 2023 page, you, the May Days 2023 on Instagram, um, if you read or even on my page at Jamaican Writer Chick, if writer chick, <laughs> um, you'll see our statement um, as a coalition. And it talks about the fact that we want to do 15 actions in the month of May um, for the 15 minutes that Daniel Penny um, strangled Jordan Neely. We also uh, were on that subway track for 15 minutes. Um um, and so it's really significant to us. We've, we've, in a, and, and those 15 actions are going to include, you know, p- protest. It's also going to invite and include actions where we are feeding and clothing on how the unhoused community or the poor. I think that, and one of the reasons why I personally feel invested in seeing this through to the end and continuing to fight for Jordan is because I do feel as though a lot of people failed Jordan for his entire life, um, especially after his mom was unfortunately murdered. And that's a really traumatic way for a, a child to lose their parent. Um, and so the system failed him in so many ways. The people on that subway car failed him. And we just cannot 
fail him now. Like we can't, we, we have to keep going. And, um, is it easy? It isn't, you know, it's not easy to know that you're, you know, you're at any moment could be snatched up and, and jailed or that your address has been, um, you know, put out there for the world, um, to know where you live or that your face has been plastered across the media as being a terrorist. It's not easy, but also this is the least that I can do. I feel for Jordan and for the unhoused community and for people who need resources. Jordan was on the New York city has a list of the top 50 most vulnerable people who need the most help and he was on that list and but we can also make sure that there are no more Jordan Neelys, you know, in the future. And that to me is really the bigger picture here. It's making sure that other um young people and just people in general who are suffering in the way that Jordan suffered can get the help that they need. We really have to be more careful and thoughtful about where we and it's our freaking money right it's our money and we're telling you we want our money to be put into our community and into resources not into policing because the most the safest communities in america are not the most policed communities it's the most well-resourced communities the most well-resourced communities are the safest communities in this country and that is what we want for, you know, for, for everywhere. Thank you so much, Kimberly Bernard with uh, Black Women's March and the May Days 2023 for joining us on WBAI with Independent News Hour. We will be uh, following up with you and uh, we wish you the best of luck in the streets and uh, fighting those charges. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.